You are listening to The Last Aid Station on Mountain Bike Radio, your source of off-road news and highlights. Welcome to The Last Aid Station. This is Ben, and this is another special episode. It's not your usual race reporting. This is me interviewing Chloe Woodruff. We did an interview back in July. That was before her whole Rio Olympic experience, uh, which she ended up finishing quite well, which we'll talk about in the interview. We will also discuss uh, what it's like at the cafeteria in the Olympic Village, uh, pre-riding, her race, her warm-up, her bike. Uh, Then we'll talk about uh, her bike that she's raffling off, her Olympic bike she's raffling off for the Arizona High School League, as well as some other goods. So we will discuss what's all involved in that. And then we will also talk about the Iceman. And I am posting this on Sunday, November 6th. And we actually recorded this back on Tuesday, November 1st. So that was before the Iceman that was yesterday. She actually won it. And that is her second in a row. So congratulations to Chloe. If you have any questions, comments, anything after you listen to this or before you listen to it, feel free to send me an email at ben at mountainbikeradio.com. And as always, I ask you to go to mountainbikeradio.com forward slash support MBR, and that will give you information on how you can help Mountain Bike Radio keep doing what we're doing. So thank you, and I hope you enjoy this interview with Chloe Woodruff. I am here with Chloe Woodruff. Uh, If you are new to Mountain Bike Radio, uh, you probably haven't heard her before. But uh, if you are not new to Mountain Bike Radio and you've been listening for a long time, you know that Chloe has been, it's getting to be a frequent guest now, which is pretty cool because she's always willing to come on and share her thoughts and experiences, which she has some really good ones. And um, that's it. So Chloe, thank you for joining me again. Thank you, Ben, for inviting me back on the show. Yeah. Um, You're you're good. You're a good guest. You're very willing to do this and uh, I really appreciate it. So it's cool. Thank you. All right, listeners. So this episode, what we're going to do is we are going to talk about the Olympics. Uh, We talked to Chloe before heading off to the Olympics this summer, and uh, I wanted to get her back on to just recap it, tell us about the experience, what it was like, uh, what the race was like, (laughs) and then some of maybe the experience of uh, outside of the race in terms of, you know, were these something like uh, where these big massive mosquitoes flying around with Zika ready to like puncture everybody. Like what was it, you know, what was it like at the ground floor? Cause I saw pictures. Yeah, absolutely. I know you had some friends down there. Uh, and uh, so I want to kind of get into that. Uh, you have Iceman coming up, you're a defending champ. So yep. no pressure there. And, uh, <laughs> and then you're, you have a, a fundraiser going on that you want to talk about as well. So let's absolutely. Okay, yeah. Cool. So let's dig in Olympics. I'm curious from my perspective, not even so much the race, but we'll talk about that. But I want to know, first off, when you got there, what was that feeling? You've worked all this time and you had in your mind, you know, what it's going to be like when you got there. What was it like? Um, it was a, a pretty, I mean, it was pretty overwhelming. I think all along we kind of tried to approach it like any other really big race of the year, you know, your a priority event. Um, but there's just a lot more prep work that went in just a lot more, um, like every little piece of it just 
double checking everything. So, I mean, I was flying down there with more equipment than I'm used to. Um, like you show up at the airport and like you literally have like your own lines to go through customs and there's someone there that puts you on a shuttle to go to the athlete village. Everything is just very dialed in and, mm-hmm. um, you know, so everything was novel. Everything's new. Um, just getting checked into the, you know, the USA house, um, at, you know, at the athlete village, everything was new and exciting and overwhelming and, um, just really a neat, neat experience. Yeah. What, when you say that all those little things that you do extra or those little, little things that dial in that you maybe wouldn't have before, what's an example of that? Oh, um, I think just flying, like packing equipment, um, making sure I'm traveling with, um, you know, everything that I need for the race, spare parts, tires, like everything you could possibly imagine. Okay. So, um, just simply just traveling. I think I had an extra bag, you know, so okay. just a lot more, more stuff. Isn't there, and isn't there like a everything. team? It does, isn't there like a team mechanic of some sort that takes extra oh, stuff? Oh, absolutely. Or you kinda, yeah. Okay. And we're, you know, yeah, you know, and they do, but every bike is so different now right. um, that, you know, there's a lot of stuff specific to your own bike. So, yeah, you just want to be ready from your just, perspective. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. you know, in that sense, too, it's kind of like every other race. It's just, you know, you fly to the Olympics, you really need to make sure you have your shit together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, and I have a lot of help with that. You know, my husband, TJ, it's, you know, everyone's like telling me all the time, don't, you know, oh, you probably going to need a really long break after the Olympics. And I'm like, yeah, I will. But really it's my husband, TJ, that needs the longest break. (laughs) So just everything that he's kind of been helping with along the way, um, just as far as equipment goes and uh, making sure that I can kind of focus 110% on training. And um, so it's definitely a team, a team effort very much so. Mm -hmm. So when you get shuttled off into the athlete village and you Mm -hmm. get there, and unpacked. How long between finally just arriving and uh, how long do you have before you finally can sit down? You know, just sit on the couch and just take a big breath and go. All right, I'm done. It's time. It's ready to like do this. How long? I mean, was it like okay, unpack my stuff in in half an hour and sit down and take a big breath and be ready to go, or was it like? you know, later that night, I mean, what, how did that process all go? Cause when you go like, you know, a trip, let's say you take a trip to Iceman yeah. this weekend, you show up at the hotel, you get all your stuff kind of ready. And then you're like, all right, big breath. What was it like? Was it different for the Olympics with other help or was it more of a wind down time? How was that feeling? Um, you know, we had, uh, like I arrived on a Monday morning mm-hmm. pretty early in Rio and, you know, our race was that Saturday. So we had, you know, a fair amount of time, not, okay. a, not a huge amount of extra days. Um, but, you know, we were able to get out and ride that Monday. Not So I didn't train on the course until Wednesday. So honestly, okay. there's a good Monday and Tuesday to just kind of, you know, figure out how do you, how do you, how do you feed yourself at the Olympic Village? Where do you go? Um, how do you get in and out of there? Um, and then we had a great support crew as well to just help with logistics. Like when we went out and rode from the Olympic village, we had someone with us and, um, you know, and actually we got to, we had a day where we trained along, um, the beach and it was just incredibly beautiful along there too. So, um, I'd say, you know, it's, you know, you've got a fair amount of time in between things that are going on. So, you know, I think it was 
I think we, I think it was the right balance. You know, I'm mm-hmm. glad I wasn't there like 10 days before the race. That would have been kind of too much time. Yeah. Um, but so I think it was really the right balance of, you know, have some downtime, but not too much. Okay. Um, and then once we started training on course, things got a little bit more busy, just the transportation involved to get out there. You just have to, you know, tack on kind of an extra hour to everything just so you're not missing your window to train. Um, it was extremely hot. So you're dealing with like trying to keep your bottles cool and making sure you're, you know, just efficient with everything. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, once we were training on course, it was like time flew by and then, you know, and then it's race day yeah. already. So. Yeah. During the, those first couple of days, did you, you said you had some like an escort. Did you go around outside the athlete village a lot? Uh, well, not really like no. an official escort, but we, yeah, I mean, we rode outside the village. There really wasn't anywhere to train at okay. the village. So okay. we spun from the village to the coast, um, which was really felt pretty comfortable. We had, a, okay. um, you know, Mark Olson from the national team with us or, you know, our skills coach, Sean would come along either in a support car, or just riding with us. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we would go in a group too. So, okay. you know, it was Leah and Howie. So it was actually pretty fun. Okay. But you didn't feel like you were going to be mugged. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, no, this, no, cause you I hear think... all these horror stories and I, I, I understand there's issues, but at the same time, yeah. like you said, you were able to go down, you know, ride along the beach, do whatever. So I was curious from your perspective, how it kind of felt being around there. Yeah. I mean, I think we were being, um, pretty smart about it, but, yeah. um, it's, you know, you can't, you have to be cautious, but you can't, you know, live in fear of, you know, you can't just not do things because you're too afraid of what might happen. Um, you know, so I think it's just being smart and making sure, you know, you've got people, you're in a group and mm-hmm. people know where you're headed and that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm curious about a few other things too, like the, the athlete village. What, mm-hmm. what is it like? Is it like just like a college campus or is it more of like a, you know, like a county fair where all these trucks, food trucks are set up and all set up for you? Or is it like, how does it, how do they set the Olympic Village up? Yeah, well, it is like this city in and of itself. Okay. Like, literally, there's these towers. Um, so it's this development, and, like, USA had its own tower. Um, a lot of other countries had, like, their own floors and other ones. Okay. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's set up to, you know, house tens of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And not only house them, but to feed them. Yeah, to So live there the dining hall was massive, like, multiple football fields. I mean, okay. like the biggest, and it was all a temporary structure. Um, and so it was just like incredible to think about like the quantity of food that's moving in and out of this place. Cause you're feeding <laughs> yeah. basketball players and cyclists and track athletes. And, um, so that was kind of my favorite part was just the whole dining hall experience. Like just people watching. Okay. Like amazing, amazing people. Yeah, did, you, and, did you see, I mean, was there anybody in particular that you were, Kind of like, uh, you know, look at that. Hey, there's that person. Was there anybody like that? Uh, you know, once in a while, like we were there, like most of the track and field was going on. Um, like there really weren't any more swimmers around when we were there, oh, okay. track and field. Um, and yeah, so, you know, you could like, I'd recognize some people, but, um, we kind of like, I don't know, you know, you you know, we ate together a lot. Like yeah. the, you get your uh, own little sphere there. Right. Yeah. But it was just amazing. Like I remember standing next to, he had to have been a basketball player, just yeah. like 
you know, I'm like looking straight up. I'm like, wow, this guy's <laughs> got to be almost seven feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, funny with basketball players in general. I mean, I've, I've lived, uh, lived in Minneapolis and Milwaukee and it's the same thing. You know them when you see it. There is no question at all. Baseball oh, players, yeah. like, you, yeah. like you wouldn't know half the baseball players if you looked at them, you know, or like a lot of the track people oh. or something like that. But when you see it basketball, it's, it is, yeah. it's like stops you in your tracks every time. Yeah. Lee and I would always joke. We're like, if we don't know what sport they are, we just kind of automatically go to water polo. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. That does seem to be like, yeah. there's gotta be water polo. Right. Exactly. But yeah. Yeah. Or, or golf. No, that there wasn't a lot of big that, stars. Yeah. Golf. <laughs> <Or> golf. <laughs> It's like the cyclist. If I wore shorts, I'd be a dead giveaway. Like yeah. you can't get any more. I mean, sand right. lines. That's right. like, yeah. But yeah. Um, no, it was uh, like the dining hall is definitely a highlight. Just, just it was just amazing to be among all those amazing athletes. And um, yeah, did that, that get you pumped up? Did that just get you pumped up? Just being there in that in that dining oh, hall. Absolutely, yeah. and you know, and then you think about like this is probably like the most diverse place on the planet, mm-hmm. just like as far as people and body types and, you know, your ethnicity, just like so many different people there. Um, really a neat, a neat experience. Yeah. How about the food? I'm curious on that. Do you set out, do they just give you a few options or do you like the U S team? Do you kind of set out what, what you want? How does that work? Um, you just kind of stuck. Eating we all relied on the, the yeah, we all relied on the dining hall. Okay. Um, the food, honestly, the food wasn't great. Um, there was a lot of variety, though. So, okay. you know, um, but you could absolutely find, I mean, you know, eggs eggs, and maybe some rice for breakfast or, you know, they had actually some muesli, which was really good. Okay. Um, so, you you know, they had a lot of staples. Um, okay. And it was open 24-7. Oh, so there cool. was always food available. Um, and there's always a ton of it. So, like, feeding ourselves was not not an issue <laughs> okay were there any surprises and then even actually out uh like with food well or... no i was gonna go ahead and say what you're gonna say i was gonna ask you a, a separate question sorry Cut uh out. just gonna say they even had like lunches for people out at the race venue which was pretty oh, nice yeah that's, convenient yeah definitely convenience at that point is that's a big deal mm-hmm. oh, uh yeah. surprises the first couple of days were there any whether good or bad any surprises that popped up well the, the one fun thing was like figuring out how to get to the race venue. Um, they actually had buses set up to uh, transport everyone from the athlete village to a venue. And, um, and so the venue, I think it was like, maybe I could be wrong, like eight miles away or something. Okay. Um, and there's a new highway built that had Olympic lanes to get there. Oh, so there were like different buses you could take. So there like rings and, right in the lanes showing you that it was Olympic lane or how do they... Yeah, yeah, they did, I think, have Olympic. Oh, really? Like, okay. Just, okay. just, like, white ones, you know, yeah, kind of yeah, keep yeah. it on. That's yeah, cool. yeah. Um, and then you had to have uh, Olympic credentials, or I think be an official Olympic vehicle to drive in them, maybe. Oh. So we uh, so we were trying to figure out what, you know, like, how much time do we need and what, what bus do we do we get on? Um, and, of course, everyone shows up with their bikes, and there's really no way to accommodate. <laughs> right. It's like a normal city bus. Right, so, right. It was kind of fun because most of us, like, the bus is packed. They're on, like, maybe a 9 a.m. bus, and, like, it fills up really quick, and everyone's, like, crammed in with their bikes, and, um, you know, it's just, like, how many people can we get on this bus? And um, and it was actually really fun just trying to, 
you know, being in tight quarters with everyone, just trying to figure it out. And that was fine. So apparently the next bus, which Leo was on, ended up driving to the wrong venue at first. Oh, no. Okay. Not far away, but it yeah. was still like a detour and added time. And and after that, I think the our, uh, Mark and the national team, they're like, okay, we're not, we're not doing the bus system. We're going to get our own car and we'll just drive out there. So I guess the next day, which Howie had had um, a day of training, of course, Lee and I were skipping it, but they were assigned a car to drive out to the venue. And, and, uh, and I guess they show up in like the, the car that they were assigned, like the battery was dead or something. <laughs> okay. So it was just like every day there was a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a minor crisis trying to get out to the, the venue. Um, but once they got the cars figured out and um, it was like right. smooth sailing from there on out. And that was like really the only thing that was yeah. not, you know, that I could see was not all that. <laughs> it's pretty out. normal but, when you, yeah, it's you pretty know, normal you when you travel to a foreign it, country. If you're going to be dealing <laughs> with vehicles and transportation, there's always going to be some sort of hiccup yep. and it, the best. It's like just, the best thing is to, like you said, is go with the flow on that. There's nothing you can do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, everything, everything really went, went pretty smooth. So, cool. Um, so Wednesday yeah. you started riding the course, training on the course on Wednesday. Yep. Um, and went out earlier. How'd that go? So, okay. There's, there's several questions I have, uh, both feeling wise sure. and gear related. Um, yep. we talked in the previous episode, uh, you know, kind of a little bit about hardtail versus full suspension yep. and how you switch back and forth in the different world cups and, you know, kind of how, how you determine that. Um, so I want to going into this race, was it already picked out what you were going to ride or how did you, did you ride a couple different setups, you know, different tires, wheel, whatever it is. And what did you, okay. So going into Wednesday, when you're going to go out and train the course, you had, obviously you had something set. Did, did I, you go through different iterations or did you just kind of figure things out? Yeah. Well, I arrived in Rio thinking that I was going to be racing my hardtail. Um, okay. And I had raced there a year prior for the test event. Mm -hmm. And I think the general consensus was it was a pretty good hardtail course. Okay. So after my, my first day of training, I did, um, and actually my first day of training, was I cut, ended up cutting it a little bit short. Um, I, I crashed pretty hard on a section, um, and wound up like with pretty much kneeling my right quad, like right into a rock, um, which was incredibly sore. So I ended up not quite having as long of a training day as I intended, um, that first day. Okay. Were you freaking out but, at that point? That you uh, did that? No, okay. no, I wasn't. I okay. was pretty, you know, I, I knew it was a, or just the confusion. I wasn't in the joint. Like okay. it was going to be sore, but it wasn't going to be like an issue. Okay. Really. Okay. Um, so, but before that had happened, I did, I did, had done a lap on each bike and it was actually, so the course was more or less like pristine when, for the test event, brand new. And what had happened is they actually had added a few different lines in some of the rock gardens. And parts of the course had kind of eroded away a little bit from rain. And um, so it was actually bumpier. And sections, like a little bit of grass had grown in. So okay. there are areas where it had been pancake flat that were actually a little bumpy. Okay. Um, and just in riding both bikes, I, I've ridden my Mach 4 a ton and raced it a bunch this year. And I just felt like I was riding the course a lot better on it. Um, 
and I ended up confirming later that week by doing a couple laps on course that I was actually riding my full suspension bike quite a bit faster um, through a handful of sections. So I was really happy I had both bikes there. I had the flexibility to make that call, you know, somewhat late. Um, mm-hmm. And I still think it was the right right decision to make. Um, it was an incredibly technical course. Um, and I think just given all these different sections, like you couldn't, you know, you couldn't really dial in each line 110%, you know? To some extent, you just had to be able to ride your bike. And um, and I felt like the dually also gave me a little bit more, um, a little bit more flat protection. And there are quite a few, like, you know, rocks out there. And my fear was just kind of getting sloppy from getting tired. And, mm-hmm. um, and you have a little bit more, um, you know, you can maybe make a couple more mistakes on a full suspension bike than you can on a hardtail. Okay. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of my thought process. And, you know, again, that, that Mach 4, it's a, it's a really light build for me. And, you know, it's a great, it is a great race bike. So, okay. And yeah. And tire wise, because I get the question, well, what kind of, you know, with tires, what type of tires, the, the wheels or the, the rims, the kind of the setup, um, you don't have to give us your weight, but that would be good. But, um, let us let people know because they inevitably they're like, well, what was she running? What kind of PSI does, does somebody run yeah. in that situation? Can you give us some details well, I ran, on that? Um, a Maxus case tire and those are two ones. Um, and then, you know, like, yeah, I weigh about 110 pounds and yeah. I run, <laughs> um, 19 and 20 PSI. Okay. Sometimes a little bit less. Um, I can definitely get away with less on certain courses. Um, so 19 and 20 is a pretty, uh, safe, very safe pressure for me to run. Um, so, and I had, I definitely, you know, those pace tires were, I was pretty set on those beforehand. Um, I also had, and you stuck with, I mean, that there. was something you were, you were set on before and it, it, they were. What yeah. You wanted. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great, great tire for that kind of loose over hard pack, dry, fast, fast course. Okay. So. And like, you know, the pace, it's got a lot of smaller knobs and they're very, um, very malleable. So they're like, they kind of are grippy and they just feel good. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So you do that training, you had to cut that short on Wednesday, Thursday, mm-hmm. how'd Thursday and, and Friday go? Uh, Thursday, I didn't even, did not head out to the course at all. That okay. was just like an easy recovery day. And okay. And then Friday I did, um, another training session on course and that one, you know, was about an hour long and these are both, you know, and actually being on the shorter side was good. Um, the heat out there was incredible, especially during the week. So it was probably 90, you know, and like 80% humidity, just like awful kind of just pretty unbearable. Um, so it was good to just kind of limit your time out in it and, yeah, so I had a good training session the day before the race and got all my lines kind of dialed in and feeling confident and, and ready to go. What's that training session before the race look like? I mean, are you out there just just going hard for a real short amount of time or do you do session little sections to dial those lines in? How does that What does that look like for somebody that's going into the Olympic Games yeah. mountain bike race? Well. I mean, honestly, it doesn't look a lot different than the same approach I'd have before any of our World Cup races. Yeah. I've had 
you know, what I try to do is I typically go out for two laps. Okay. The day before a race, I'll do one, like, kind of medium pace, um, you know, making sure I've got lines on the downhill dialed in. And then I do a second lap, which is pretty close to a full-on hot lap. So it's at race pace. Okay. And I'll do the whole lap at race pace. So um, it's a great opener for me. It's just, as much as anything, it's just kind of confirmation that you've you've got your lines figured out. You're, you're feeling good. You're ready to go. Um, so it's kind of like your little test test race before the race. Yeah. Um, you know, I like to make sure that I have, you know, my hydration figured out, food figured out. Um, for Rio, we actually, I practiced, uh, taking bottles during that hot lap. I had Julia, our swanier, um, hand me up bottles. So I was drinking in the tech zone and like, I don't carry a water bottle with me just to save weight. So I'm drinking only in the tech zone. So I wanted to know, you know, how much time do I have to, you know, like how much can I get in in a short period of time? And um, yeah, so it's kind of just really a little, like, you know, it's just a little mini race. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you race yourself and make sure you have everything dialed in and then, you know, that whole time, like it's pretty short. I'm not on my bike any more than an hour that day. So, okay. Yeah. So were you feeling nervous after that on Friday's workout or were you confident or what, what's running through your mind at that point? You know, I think I had a pretty good mental, um, I think mentally I was in a pretty good place. I, yeah, I was definitely nervous, you know, it's a big race and, you know, you don't want to mess anything up and there's a lot of details as far as, um, you know, just getting to the venue and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I actually, I didn't, sleep very well the night before the race but I was kind of joking around with TJ I'm like really like I'm sure nobody sleeps that well before you know they <laughs> race the Olympics like right. <laughs> it's probably reasonable um so yeah I mean I think mentally I was just you know I we we put a lot in just trying to just trying to repeat what we've been practicing all year at races so you know it, on, on one hand you're telling yourself it's nothing it's nothing special. I mean, you know, it is, but you know, you just have to, you know, you just have to treat it like any other race as much as you can. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So race day. <laughs> race day. Yeah. Race day. How did um, it go? I mean, as you're going to the event, was there any surprises getting there that you, everything was smooth sailing? The car didn't Everything die was or, smooth. Or I don't even remember. Like, I don't even remember going to the race. Um, okay. I was watch. We we got there really early, just to give ourselves extra time. And they had an air conditioned like kind of athlete lounge. Okay. Um, so I was actually watching the start of the triathlon that day um, on a TV in the athlete lounge before my race. Um, so that was kind of fun, just a little bit of distraction, somewhere cool and comfortable to hang out. Mm -hmm. um, there were some other racers there as well. So, um, and then. Uh, yeah, and then once it came time to start up my warm up, I do a pretty short warm up and on the trainer and yeah. And then finished they had this like start circuit at the Olympic race. So mm -hmm. I got to do part of my warm up just on the starting circuit and it was lined clear around with people. Um <laughs> and like that's where I got to see my family for the first time down there. So okay. they were all out there and, you know, waving a flag and they all had t-shirts on for me, which was pretty cool. 
did it did it feel like just another race like another world cup uh, at or that was point like, no <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> definitely not at that point you're thinking you know, oh you, shit here we go well Let's yeah it starts to sink in yep. this is the olympics and you know just it was really really amazing to have friends and family there and um yeah, yeah, it was it was cool, and and the Brazilian fans were amazing too. Just like the amount of people that came out, and there was all this excitement. And did you get emotional so at all that. before? Uh, you warm up and you yeah, see your family. Probably a little. You, okay. Probably a little bit, um, but you know, you still are getting in the zone, and you've got your job to do. So yep, exactly. Yeah. All right. So take us through how how it all went. Uh, start yeah. goes off, and just tell us a little bit about it. You know, um, I'm trying to, you know, it's, it's funny. Yeah. So start, start went really well. Um, I had, I think I was called up. I don't even know where I was called up. Maybe, maybe 20, I think I was 23. My number is 23. Okay. So that was my call up out of mm-hmm. like 30, 34 riders. So I was kind of towards the back. Um, so I think I was in like the third row and on that start circuit, it's so fast. Like there's not really any separation that can happen. Right. So I kind of knew that like, you know, it'd be silly to try to kill myself and move up at that point. And, um, you know, and once we hit more of the, the track and the course, I started to move my way up a little bit and, um, just was feeling pretty good. And, you know, another thing too, I think like, you know, I, I had had just come off like my best world cup result a couple of weeks before the Olympics and like, you know, I, I knew coming into that race that I was in the shape of my life really. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, and when you can show up on the start line and know that you've, you've put in the work and you've kind of done, done what you need to do to be there. It was a pretty, like, I, I was feeling really good about that, that part of it. Um, just kind of being mentally and physically prepared, just feeling like, you know, I kind of, done things right up to this point. Um, right. And just having that confidence, like you said, you know, knowing that you're starting kind of near the back, you know, back two thirds or whatever. And, uh, knowing that, okay, I'm just not going to blow up in this, this start loop thing. And, uh, yeah, having the yeah. confidence, to just know where you're going to put yourself after that. I think that's, that says a lot right there. Yeah. So, you know, and I was able to move up quite a bit. I think I was riding with with Lee up the first climb a bit. And, um, as we came into the first descent, there's kind of a switch back down and I ended up having a mechanical at that point and, um, lost a little bit of time and had to stop in the first tech zone, which really wasn't very far away. Uh, it was an issue with my shifting. Um, oh, okay. it was kind of something that like was really not in my control. Okay. Um, and, and that's the thing with like racing, you know, yeah, absolutely. there's a 90% of yeah. stuff that is within your control and you can, you know, anticipate and take care of. And then there's those weird things that happen that you, um, you know, that kind of can surprise you and, you know, that are just kind of really bad luck. Um, and at the end of the day, it's kind of what you, you know, what, what do you do in that situation? Um, so not how I really anticipated the first bit of my race going, (laughs) but, um, but you know, my mechanic and tech zone, Tom figured it out super quick. So, you know, I wasn't there for more than a minute. Um, you know, but in that minute, the first part of the race, once I left the tech zone, like I was dead last. Mm. So 
And I think a lot, like from the footage, I think a lot of people knew that I had stopped in that tech zone early in the race. Um, You know, and like at that point, it was just a matter of like chasing. So, and, you know, it kind of like, like I don't remember a huge amount of the race, but I had a, I had a great race. Like I had a great time out there, you know, riding my bike and, um, I moved up really quickly for the first two laps. I just put in some good fast laps and kind of making up ground and I moved up into 14th, I think after two laps and that's pretty much where I stayed the rest of the race. Um, I ended up crashing at one point. I'd just been cutting this, like there's this off camera section and there's kind of this edge cut into it. Okay. And so I was pushing it a little bit. Into it a little, <laughs> yeah. Pushing it a bit. And someone had crashed and like destroyed my edge. So I came into that section and it wasn't there. Oh, okay. so I wiped out. Yeah, um, but cool. you didn't mess yeah, anything up there though in the crash. No, no, nothing, nothing significant. So, okay. um, Maybe threw me off a little bit, but I kept yeah. racing. So, yeah. you know, it's funny because everyone, a lot of people have expressed like, oh, it's such a bummer to have that happen at the Olympics. Like, well, let's be honest here. Like, no one expected a medal out of me. The result doesn't really matter if you don't have a medal to some extent. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like what you, you know, it's like, are you proud of your race? It's, it's kind of the effort you've put forth. It's like the, the homework you've done up until that day. Um, and all of that, I felt like I, I had done a really good job with. Um, so like in a lot of ways, it didn't really take away from the whole experience. You know, it was just another one of those crazy things that can happen in a mountain bike race. And, um, you know, and despite it, I still put together a good ride. Yeah. Right. 14th is you're no slouch for 14th in the Olympics, put it Ah, that way. So congratulations. Okay. So as, as an athlete or anybody that does any sort of goals, right? You have a, mm-hmm. generally you go into something, you, you don't want to say it out loud, like, Oh, I'm going to win. Right. Cause they're, like you said, you know, a little shifting here or there or something, you get off your line. Like it is so hard yeah. to say, okay, I'm going to win. But in your head, you have like a, a, a realistic goal. Then you have some kind of stretch goal. Like let's say, okay, you know, if everything goes right and these keep people drop out, I can make top five, let's say, you know, for example, so yeah. you have like a stretch yeah. goal and then you have something where you know in your heart, like this is a really good goal. And I, if I put together ride my life, this is a great realistic goal. And then there's yeah. like the worst case scenario, right? Like, okay, if everything goes to hell, I'm going to keep it top 20. I'm going to chase back top 20, whatever you have, <laughs> you know, you have like best case, worst case yeah. and like yeah. real in your heart, you know what you can do. Right. <laughs> yep. Right. So uh-huh. it was, did Going into it, what was, did you have like a, what was your realistic goal of yourself? What did you think if everything goes perfectly and I have a good ride, what did you expect out of yourself? Was it like top 10, uh, top five? You know, what I did, did you figure that you I could did have? believe I, I had a top 10 in me on a good day and, you know, and we'd certainly plan to have a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny cause I think, you know, to some degree I've kind of moved away from like specifically having a place as a goal because that kind of gets into tricky territory as far as because that really ultimately depends on um, where everyone else is um, falling to right Um, you know the best races that you have kind of also how do I put this like 
Yeah, like what comes first? So they what have comes to be, first? It's the chicken and the egg, right? Yeah. There's catch twenty two because if you try to go, okay, top if I don't get top ten and fail and but you mm-hmm. still had a fantastic like this one. You said you were yeah. really happy with it, but you weren't top ten, let's say. Yeah. If you were so looking you at, look at Yeah. If it was know, just top ten or bust, it would be bad. Yeah, I think around around your preparation, around like your pacing strategy, around your you know, there's all these little pieces that come into play, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, and, you know, a lot of times I really look at the, you know, the timeline leading up to the start, just trying to be as efficient and like as deliberate about everything I do in that period of time to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm ready to go when the gun goes off. So there's all these little pieces and I, and so in a lot of ways I have all these little tiny goals and, um, and then it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, I think I can get a top 10. Um, but ultimately maybe I really evaluate things based on, you know, how I've done with all those smaller things. So, and I, and that's taken a long time for me to learn. Um, and I see that working Mm -hmm. with like younger riders too. Mm -hmm. Like we're around a lot of uh, high school kids and here and, and a lot of times, you know, you just hear about, you know, how your race goes has everything to do with, you know, beating this other person or not beating them, you know? And, and so I think eventually you kind of learn how to, how to evaluate your own performance, regardless of, you know, if you finished before or behind that other person. Yeah. Like, I think that's part of just, you know, maturing as, an as athlete. yes. Yeah. Yep. Some people so, would call that getting um, old too. <laughs> getting old. <laughs> yes. It's the wisdom that you get with experiences <laughs> that you, you put yourself in position like that enough. You, you learn that. Right. Yeah. It's younger. Yeah. It's like, Oh, but, I beat them. I beat them. Oh, I got this place. And it, at the end of the day, like you said, it really matters what you do compared to yourself. Yeah, It does, you know, but you know, on the same token, you do, you do let yourself, you know, you dream and you, you know, like visualize, you know, like the perfect race. And yeah, you probably do visualize yourself beating, you know, all the people you do want to beat. So did you, you visualize, you did you visualize at all what it would be like to stand in the podium with a, with a medal? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You think about that. Did you know. it, and of course the U S Olympic team, they give everybody the whole podium outfit. So, yeah. and it's wrapped up in this nice box. So you are literally traveling down to Rio and you're gifted this beautiful outfit that you, you know, with like specific shoes that you wear on the podium. So. <laughs> Of course, you think about it because you've got this yeah. outfit, yeah. everything. So maybe, maybe someday. Did you try it on? I still. Oh yeah, and I wear the shoes all the time. Oh, okay, I didn't know if it was something like a <laughs> no. you know like a race shirt where if you don't even finish, then you just wear it anyway, kind of thing. I I don't know how that. Obviously, I don't know how that goes. So no, nice I mean, I I totally. <laughs> I I mean, maybe other maybe this is like I'm breaking all sorts of rules. Right, right. But I wear my podium shoes. Cool. I do. I actually ran a 5K in them last weekend. Did you win at least? You're wearing Olympic shoes, no. podium shoes. <laughs> it was an untimed, fun costume run. Oh, okay. So, um, it, you know, I did feel like I was winning because I actually finished a 5K. Yeah. But um, it was fun. Yeah. Did you dress up in as as Olympic mountain biker? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> Come on. But that's that would have been, I could have, I could have worn my opening ceremony outfit. I yeah. didn't actually get to wear it down there. Um, but I couldn't have run in it. So oh, I okay. actually dressed up as Supergirl or oh. Superman. Okay. 
kind of a generic costume, but I got to wear a cape. Cool. So you don't, uh, yeah. you don't run five K's very often. Uh, once a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Once a year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so race. Did you hang around after the race, or were you just out of there right away, or what? It, how did that all go down after you're done? Yeah, I definitely hung around for a day, so not <laughs> okay. too long. Okay. I got to spend the evening hanging out with my friends and family. Um, so a night out in Rio, which was awesome. Um, and then the next day, I went and watched the the men's race. So I got to go out and kind of be a a fan that day and, okay. and just kind of experience it from the other side of the fence. And, um, that was just incredible. So that was really, really fun. Was it good knowing that, uh, uh going good knowing that you were already done where, you know, cause the reason I'm asking is because you're say you, you went all week, you were there, you know, and, and I didn't even ask you if you went to see other events. Uh, yeah. But just going to those yep. events, knowing that you have to race on Saturday, you know, there's yeah. always that in your, Visual, you're always sitting there thinking about it, visualizing it. Was it, did, was it nice just going on Sunday to watch the guys and just being like, all right, I can eat whatever I want today or, you know, just relax. Um, oh, totally. Yeah. 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 No, it was definitely like, let your hair down, you know, not, not worrying, not stressing. Just, did you sleep in? You know, uh, I don't remember. Oh, okay. Probably. Okay. <laughs> No, I don't actually. No, I went and stayed with my family in Copacabana. So I didn't even stay in the village after oh, okay. my race. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, and I don't think I slept in because we had to get to the men's race. So. Okay, I didn't. I couldn't remember what time that started. So yeah, I don't either. I don't remember. Yeah, um, it's, it sounds like a lot of it. I mean, there's you just there's so many possible things going on that it sounds like a lot of it is just a blur. It's like having a kid. Yeah. Like if somebody asked me, it might be different for. Oh, really? It might be different for females, but male I, from the male perspective. I I was gonna say Ben, you might be you might have to tread a little carefully here because you might have some women that have actually given birth. With well, I know, but so. I know, but there's like periods of time in there, so people ask like how this and that, and it's like I couldn't tell you anything except for when I was holding you know one of them in my arms or something, you know. So there's a lot of times. Mm -hmm. You go through the process a couple of times and you remember, you know, highlights, lowlights or whatever, but yeah, kind of in yeah. between, eh, it happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Actually, that's a good point. And, you know, I do very much remember the end, like just finish, finish line, seeing my friends and family and, um, taking about maybe a hundred selfies with Brazilian fans, which was really <laughs> okay. fun. You know, you feel like a superstar for like 30 minutes. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so that was cool and yeah, but you know, time flies and, um, yeah. And so it's like already a few months have gone by and, yeah. um, it's, well, it, I mean, it really was an un unbelievable experience and, you know, very motivating. So do you, and you raced the, the, the world cup, like, what was it? Two weeks after three weeks? Oh, after? I did. Okay, oh okay. yeah. I yeah. So I actually got sick in Rio. <laughs> it was a little delayed, but, um, I got sick about a week after I got home, like stomach bug, like oh. a nasty, nasty oh. stomach bug. And, um, not so Zika. then I, so you're good. No, not Zika. <laughs> definitely not Zika. Um, some other nice GI kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I traveled back to Europe sick and spent a couple days 
you know, trying to recover before racing the World Cup finals. So, you know, it was, I think it, that that was like the, the point in my season where I think I was a little bit done before really being done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I knew going in it would be a challenge to kind of sit, wrap up the season after um, the Olympics. Um, I didn't really plan on getting sick, obviously. So that was just, I think that was kind of the thing that really, um, really made it kind of suck. <laughs> yeah. So you took a, you, so, so you took a little time then after that race? Oh yeah. Yeah. Up? Actually, I don't think I haven't raced since World Cup finals. Oh, I did an enduro race in Prescott and besides from that, Iceman, yep. great lead into Iceman. Yes, my exactly. Next, my next race. Yeah. So with that, how many times have you raced Iceman? Oh, you know, uh, a lot? maybe four. Okay. I think I've raced four. Okay. And last year was your I've first been, win. Yeah. My first win. So I was second twice and then somewhere in the top 10 another time. And then I finally won. Okay. So yeah. What was it like and to so win that? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Iceman is cool. You yeah. get an ice trophy and you're freezing. And <laughs> Did I it mean, snow, was it muddy, snowy kind of last year? I can't remember year to year. Or was it warm? Two years ago? Um, two years ago it was, it was warm. It was a little slick. Okay. Yeah, it was a little slick, but um, it was cold, brutally cold. Okay. Maybe you guys disagree with me, but I'm from Arizona, so it was very cold. Yeah. Um, it's all and, but I think condition, it was still pretty nice. So. I, I really actually haven't experienced a really bad ice fan. And I didn't even look at the forecast for this weekend. So it, I'll be in, pretty, I'll be in with, I think yeah. next year, next November, I will be at Iceman. I don't know if I'll be All racing. Right, not this year, though. Not this year, no. Yeah. no. I Summer. will be living in the well, Midwest, so I can make the trip over there, I think, next year. So anyhow. Good. So this, awesome. this year, uh, do you have, I mean, your expectation, I mean, you're defending champ. So the expectations mm-hmm. is you're going to roll in and like defend the title, and I, oh, I'm yeah. not going to ask you to like <laughs> give up your secret you know, mindset at this point. But I mean, mm-hmm. how do you go from doing all what you were doing to prep for the Olympics, do that World Cup, take a break, go through all this, and now amp yourself back up to go there? And you know, obviously, you're going to if everything goes well, you're going to do pretty well. I mean, just because yeah. you're. you're motivated, ready to go. But how do you get yourself ready for that? Oh, I, you know, like I did intervals today. Um, I've done a few training runs, a few, okay. in the last okay. few weeks. Okay. So you're, <laughs> so, so you're, uh, you're sneaking So much in. of it's mental. Okay. You got to think about, you know, the race. And it's like, I mean, I'll be honest this year. It's a lot of just um, preparing myself to suffer out there. So it's pushing myself enough to, you know, remind your body and your mind, like, oh, yeah, this is what it's like to hurt. (laughs) Um, So I think a lot of it's going to be pretty mental for me. Um, I I have not, I mean, I haven't quite done the, the, you know, the training maybe I've done for it in the past. Mm -hmm. A little bit of a longer break, but I am in the the 5K fitness of my life right now. (laughs) So... Hey, five K fitness is a, is good. Maybe that'll help. Who knows? Yeah. No, I'm I'm really excited. I mean, it's easy to it's easy to be motivated and um, go race ice man. It's a great event. Um, you see I'm so many people you know. There. Absolutely. Just in the racing so, community. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, cool. So, um, well, I'm excited. Yeah. Good luck this weekend. Um, Thank you. It. Uh, I'll. I'll be following along and uh, from afar. Uh, and just because I know there's so many people that I know, like just personally know friends, whatever that are racing. So it's always exciting to see how everyone does. Yeah. It's kind Definitely. of the kickoff. It's kind of like the, I mean, it's cold and everything already, but it's kind of like the kickoff of winter. You know, everyone kind of shuts off their summer. It rode all summer, trained to do whatever, did the races, kept up whatever fitness they could till now. And then they race this, have a party, go home, and now it's winter. Does that mean it kind of kicks off the drinking season as well? Because <laughs> I, I know there's so, a massive yeah. party after Iceman. Yeah, so. it, it definitely does. I, I know that's, that's probably, probably yeah, yeah, yeah. Like ready, getting ready to hunker down for for winter. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yeah, Michigan is no, land I, I, of beer, too. <laughs> Seriously, so uh, I've heard. Yeah, we were uh, my brother and I and my nephew drove out uh, for the X100 back in August, but we drove through over you know came over uh, the UP down the Mackinac Bridge and over, and you're driving through and I saw these. It was getting kind of dark, I think. Um, but we saw these fields or like these high posts and they looked kind of like fences. I was like, man, those are really high fences. So then we drove down the road a little bit more. And then on the opposite side of the road, the same thing, but it was all hops. Like as far as you could see, there's oh. hops fields. It was crazy. It was know. really cool. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Hops grows on the- these like eight, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 foot type uh they're they're vines so they just grow yeah right up on these i have hopples. seen them grow before but not in michigan That's yeah crazy yeah between huh. i don't know the names of the cities but off that main highway that goes through the middle of michigan driving all over to or over to traverse city there's somewhere in there that did not well, yeah it was cool it was like field yeah. as far as you can see of hops so michigan crazy. is the land of beer so it's the perfect place for a party <laughs> yep so. all right and uh That's so, ice man. What uh, what do you have going on with this fundraiser? Yeah, so thank you for the opportunity to plug my fundraiser. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm all about you, the high school. Any of you guys listening could win my bike. And when I say my bike, I mean the bike that I raced in Rio, um, my Pivot Mach 4. So I am donating it as I'm giving it away to someone. Um so, and it's going to be kind of a raffle. Technically, it's not a raffle. It's a sweepstakes. But, um, okay. so I'm selling tickets for $10 a piece. And I'm doing that for the next month. And pretty much a month from tomorrow, so on December 2nd, we're going to be drawing a winner. So, totally random drawing. Um, we're going to, um, yeah. So, and all the 100% of the proceeds will go to the Arizona High School Cycling League. So this is a pretty, I was just trying to, you know, I think this fall, like trying to figure out what I want to do with my Olympic bike. And this just kind of seemed like the right thing to do. And I've, you know, it's been really amazing to see kind of how the Arizona league has grown these last four years since it's been around. And, you know, a lot of my inspiration to keep going and riding comes from, you know, younger riders coming through the ranks. And, you know, this is, this is really how, at least around here, kids are getting introduced to the sport. Um, so I think it's a, an incredible program. They, I mean, the guys that run it have done an amazing job. Um, and in particular, they have a really cool um, program, um, a loaner bike program, where they build up bikes and teams can um, use them for a season for riders. Oh, so, okay. 
So, um, and particularly this is kind of the program that I'm intending to, to donate my, um, like the proceeds of my fundraiser to. So I'm really hoping to turn my Olympic bike into a bunch of different bikes for kids to ride. Um, but yeah, so they've had a ton of success with that program and just with, um, really growing the sport regionally here. Yeah, I see. I don't know. I, I obviously have a lot of contacts kind of all over. So I constantly see different feeds, you know, like Facebook. I see pictures of a lot of Arizona high school stuff going on down there. So it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Where yeah. can we find, where can people find information on how to do this? I, links to put in the show notes. Yeah, what, we're going to start people... selling tickets tomorrow. So starting to sell tickets on November 2nd. Okay. Um, you can buy them from on my website. So ChloeWoodruff.com. Um, there's going to be a win my bike page where you can um, just pay via PayPal. Um, and you can buy up to, we're selling tickets for $10 a piece. Um, you spend $50, you get six tickets. 100 bucks, you get 12 tickets. Um, and then that's the max per person. Um, additionally, you can also, there's info on where to send in um, a check in your entry. So if you don't actually want to, if you want to save us the the PayPal fees, you can actually just send us a check directly and right. we'll get you entered that way. Okay. Um, and then we're selling tickets at the next high school race this weekend. So, okay. And where is that's that? Really the only, that's in uh, outside of Phoenix at White Tanks Park. Okay. It's the last race of the season for the kids here. So. So if yeah, you're there's listener three ways in to the buy area, them. If you're a listener in the area and you want to go check that out this weekend, do that. Go there. Yeah, and my my bike is going to be on display out there. So this is my Pivot Mach 4, full Shimano Di2, my Sam Valor wheels, pace tires, box fork. It is the bike I raced in Rio. So, yeah. Is there any Rio dirt left on it? You know, there's really not. Unfortunately, no. okay. we have. Yeah, I've read it. I've honestly, I've ridden it a few times since then. Oh. Um, so no. But okay. I probably shouldn't even say this. I'm not kidding around. <laughs> it's not really an immaculate frame. I mean, it's a beautiful frame. No, that's it, the bike has been in great shape. The the whole thing um, is it's I, it's the bike you rode. So it doesn't matter I what did, condition. When I crashed it in Rio, I mm-hmm. didn't scrape the frame, so it's oh. got a scrape on it from Rio. But rest assured, but it's not a crack. Like she's <laughs> no. not ditching something on eBay for cheap, right? I mean, you can trust her no, from this. No, so. no yeah. the, the bike's in great shape. So. It's a real deal, really... man. It's a real bike. So that's cool. Yeah. Hey, and we also have a bunch of other prizes we're giving away. Oh, so cool. What else? This, this what is the of... grand prize. We've yeah. got a couple wheel sets from Sam's. We've got some Max's tires. I've got ESI grips, um, brake sets from Shimano. So we're giving some of their stuff away. So, oh, fantastic. Um, is I know you guys a... can't all ride an extra small. Right. It. <laughs> <laughs> is there, is there a list of uh, prizes? Like if we go to that page, yeah. there'll be a list of prizes. Yep. Okay. It's, it's on my website. So okay, you can cool. check it out and we're still adding prizes. So yeah. yeah. Thank you all. Buy some tickets and, um, yeah, help me out with this. Yeah, absolutely. I'll put that in the show notes, listeners. But remember, you can go to Chloe, that's C-H-L-O-E, woodruff.com, and there'll be a Win My Bike page right there um, where you can go. Absolutely. So, yep. All right. Well, well absolutely. thank that was you guys and fantastic. for listening. Yeah, and uh, yeah, thank, you, thank you for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. Um, I, maybe we'll have you on quickly. 
next time will be pretty quickly just to check in after Iceman because <laughs> I'm just going to keep following you along. I'm going to, every time you do something, I'm just going to awesome. have you on. So, um, then actually we okay. can do a short right. one and we can plug the, we can plug the wind your bike thing more. So, <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, maybe right. we can do an update. See how right. I'm doing in mid November with ticket sales. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a goal. Cool. I have a goal in mind. Cool. So, all right. Well, all right. uh, thank you guys again. Thank you very much. And, um, that's it. So thank you listeners. All right. Have a good day. All right. Take care. Good night.